episode of Fate of the Union, another YouTube-only installment here, and today we're going to revisit the case of Kevin Cooper. As you can see, there's been a recent opinion piece published at the LA Times saying that a death row inmate, Kevin Cooper, has been waiting 18 months for DNA test results that could prove his innocence. We'll see in this video that the DNA test results, in conjunction with the long and storied procedural history of this case, really proves that Kevin Cooper did commit the atrocities of this case, and his conviction for those crimes is justified. I'll note that we have a full episode on our podcast archives at iTunes and Spotify at Fate of the Union, which more fully goes over the factual background of this case, the criminal history and personal background of Kevin Cooper, along with the background of his victims in what's been termed the Chino Hills Massacre. I'll also note that over at Atheism is Unstoppable, Devin Tracy has a very good and thorough video series on Kevin Cooper, which can add a, a cool and, and interesting background to the case, being able to visually see and analyze pictures of the crime scene, exhibits, documents. So I encourage everybody to go watch that series as well. It's very well done. Here's just a brief and more abridged version of the factual background of this case. In 1983, the Ryan family... Father Doug, Mother Peggy, and children Jessica and Josh lived in the neighborhood of Chino Hills, California. On the night of June 4, 1983, the Ryan family arrived home from a barbecue with Josh's friend Chris Hughes, who was spending the night. However, after they returned home, their house was invaded by a man who continued to murder the Ryan family, except for Josh Ryan, which will be important in this case. The weapons of choice included a hatchet, a knife, and an ice pick. Each member of the family was murdered by a combination of these weapons and slashes and stabbings multiple dozens of times each. However, Josh Ryan, the little boy in this family, was attacked last. He had a broken rib, a punctured lung, and had his throat slashed. However, miraculously, he had the presence of mind while he was crawling up next to his dead mother's body to lodge his four fingers into his neck wound and thus stop the bleeding overnight. He was able to do this for 11 hours overnight and miraculously cling to life. The next day, Chris Hughes' father came by the house to see where his son was. He hadn't heard from him or the Ryan family. He showed up and saw the absolute horror of the aftermath of these atrocious crimes. Josh Ryan was airlifted to a nearby hospital where he recovered. Police began the investigation, and one of the first things they noticed was that the Ryan family car was not at the house. They later found it several days later in Long Beach, about 50 miles away from Chino Hills. Also, after they began the investigation, they were contacted by Ryan's neighbor, who was using the next-door house as a rental home, but was not in Chino Hills on the night of the massacre. Upon looking around his rental home, the neighbor noticed that food had been eaten, bedding and linen had been used. Someone was squatting there. Now, when police conducted their investigation, several important pieces of information and evidence were found. In and around the Ryan house, a khaki green button, identical to the buttons in the Chino Hills prison, which Cooper had recently escaped from, was found. The, the button had blood on it that could have been from either Cooper or the victims. There was also a blood-stained rope, similar to another rope found in the Ryan driveway. A hair removed from the bathroom shower in the rental home was similar to Doug Ryan's hair. And they also found tennis shoe prints around the rental home that were consistent with the size and pattern of the shoes given to Cooper while he was an inmate at the Chino Hills prison. 
They also, the police also found a hatchet went missing from the rental home, very similar to the description of the hatchet used in the murders. Hair similar to Jessica Ryan's was found in the bathroom sink of the rental home. Also, upon searching the Ryan's family car, they found a very specific and unique type of tobacco, the type that Cooper used, which is free to the Chino Hills inmates, and which he had used while in it, as an inmate before he escaped. Important to note, this type of tobacco is so unique, in fact, that it's not sold in retail stores. The only way an individual could have had this type of cigarette was if they got it as an inmate in the Chino Hills prison. In and around the Ryan family car, they, the police also found cigarette butts with Cooper's saliva on it. Post-conviction DNA testing confirmed that DNA from one of the butts would match 1 in 19 billion people, while the other would match 1 in 110 million people, that person being Kevin Cooper. Cooper's hair was also found in the Ryan's car and later confirmed to be his hair by two experts at trial. After the Chino Hills massacre, Cooper assumed a different name and got a job as a deckhand on a boat that traveled between California and Mexico. While docked at port, he left the boat and boarded another boat nearby, at which point he cornered a woman in her room and raped her at knife point. After the attack, the woman went to the police to report the crime and was shocked to find that the man who had just attacked her matched the description and the appearance of the man on a wanted poster in the precinct, that man being Kevin Cooper. The trial of Cooper was mostly uneventful and went about how you would expect it to given the mounting evidence against him. Importantly, Cooper admitted escaping from prison and hiding out at sleeping at the rental home nearby, although he denied committing the murders or being in the Ryan home. So it's important to note that by Cooper's own admission and guilty plea, he escaped from prison in the fashion I talked about earlier. We also know for a fact now that he was at the rental home at the time of the murder. So we have reliably placed Cooper at the rental home post-prison escape during the time frame of the Ryan family murders. Now, throughout the lifespan of this case, which is decades at this point, this murder took place in 1983, Cooper has had several appeals to California State Court. He's had evidentiary hearings on specific pieces of evidence in California State Supreme Court. He's had two appeals to the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals, which is unique in its own right to get more than one appeal and more than one shot at a federal appeal like that. It's been what the San Bernardino County District Attorney terms in its comprehensive report, I'll link it in the description, as, quote, an extraordinary amount of due process. So let's get through this Los Angeles Times piece, which really puts forth a few arguments that have been disproven either in the public debate on this case or really from the procedural history and the record of evidence in this case from the very beginning. The piece starts out, quote, All too often, the road to redressing an injustice is hard to navigate, which is frustrating enough. But when a pathway is clear and progress is still not made, the underlying injustice gets compounded. That's the problem Kevin Cooper faces. Cooper was sentenced to death in 1985 after he was convicted of hacking to death four people and severely wounding a fifth person, that's Josh Ryan, in Chino Hills two years earlier. It was not an open and shut case, and Cooper then, as now, proclaimed his innocence. However, a few brief points shows that it was an open and shut case. This is a very straightforward prosecution of Kevin Cooper. And we're going to address some of the biggest arguments put forth by both his advocates in 
kind of the celebrity public life, but also in more academic circles. And one of those has to do with what's been termed the three white men defense. This has been the, the starter and the influencer, really the person who got the ball rolling for really popularizing the three white men theory is Nicholas Kristof. He had an opinion piece a few years ago at the New York Times. Nicholas Kristof, if you don't know who he is, he's a commentator. He's been on Bill Maher's show a bunch of times. He's actually the panel member kind of off to the side during the infamous Ben Affleck, Sam Harris conflict uh, interaction on Bill Maher's show. That's Nicholas Kristof. He has a very unique voice, but that's him. And he's popularized what's been called the three white men theory. Several criminal justice podcasts have also delved into this theory. But why is this theory so tr so troublesome? Why does it fall apart? Well, let's look here. In the hours following the discovery of the murders, multiple pieces of evidence strongly indicated that the murders had been committed by a group of three white men. Shortly after arriving at the hospital for treatment, the only surviving victim, Josh Ryan, gave statements to two different individuals inculpating three white men in the vicious murder of his father, mother, sister, and friend who happened to be spending the night. Likewise, upon learning of the murders, several members of the community came forward to report three strange white men in the Canyon Corral bar. Now, it must be said, and must be said with full force, the statements as put forth in this paragraph, and as put forth more forcefully by Kristoff, are an absolute lie. They're completely untrue. Josh Ryan did not give a statement inculpating three white men in the vicious murder of his family. What Josh Ryan has said consistently is that three Mexican men, not three white men, were at or around his house earlier in the day. They were manual laborers. They were looking for work, kind of landscaping work. They weren't white men, and they were not there close to the time of the murder. In fact, Josh Ryan's been adamant both in statements to the police and also the few public statements he's made since the murders that he is certain that Kevin Cooper is the man who murdered his family. His description of the night even goes so far as to say he remembers seeing one man over and over, one man. He even saw one man's shadow cast throughout the house as he went about murdering Josh Ryan's family. There's also the three strange white men insofar as they appeared at a Canyon Corral bar. But the Canyon Corral bar story falls apart as well because... Several witnesses corroborated this account only insofar as three white men did arrive at the bar that night together and could have arrived in a car similar to that of Ryan's, but the account is less than certain. In fact, one of the bar employees said that the three men were refused service for being too drunk and none of them had any blood on them, which is integral to this theory. In fact, in the allegations of the three white men being at the Canyon Crowd bar, it's described by one witness decades later that he remembers them being sopping wet. It was dripping off of them. He even describes it that they were so wet with the blood that they could have made footprints. It was dripping off of them. Yet, bar employees said that no one had any blood on it. And even years after, that witness said, well, maybe it wasn't blood. It could have been grease or oil. Maybe they were mechanics or something. The allegation that it certainly was blood is less than certain and now further proves to be speculative also tied in to the, the bloody articles of clothing is the argument against a man named Lee Furrow. Lee Furrow is a man with, with a murder conviction on his past record as well. 
but he was implicated in the murders by way of an ex-girlfriend who brought bloody overalls to the police saying that her ex-boyfriend had a violent history, has committed past crimes, and basically his blood supposedly being on these overalls is proof that he's killed again. The woman told police that her boyfriend, a white convicted murderer, was probably involved, and she gave deputies his bloody coveralls. What Christoph does not mention, and does not mention intentionally, I believe, is that the coveralls were presented to the police by this ex-girlfriend because during a witching seance with her, with her friends, a vision came down upon her that told her that Lee Furrow must have committed these murders and these coveralls must have been worn during those murders. That's why they were denied by the court. It was completely unreliable. Allegations made out of court without a chance to even interrogate Lee Furrow. They were rightfully dismissed as totally speculative, full of conjecture, and full of conspiracy. Several years later, an interview was done with Lee Furrow, and since then he had put forth an alibi. He was at a concert uh, hours away on the night of the murder, and depending on who you hear from, he may have even went back with a woman to a motel after the concert, but nevertheless was nowhere near Chino Hills on the night of the murder. So before we go on, I want to make a couple quick points again for emphasis. Christoph says, quote, the sole survivor of the attack said three white intruders had committed the murders. This is a bold face lie. This is absolutely not true. Josh Ryan has never said that three white intruders had committed murders. He said three individuals, three Mexican men were at the house earlier in the day looking for work. He also never committed them to the murders. He's been adamant in every statement he's made that only one man has committed the murders, and that man is Kevin Cooper. Nicholas Kristoff is lying. Then, a woman told police that her boyfriend, a white convicted murderer, was probably involved, and she gave deputies his bloody coveralls. But why put forth this information, and not, as a matter of journalistic integrity, put the disclaimer that there was a highly speculated claim, no backing whatsoever, and the fact that he had, she had no evidence that these coveralls even belonged to Lee Furrow, not to mention he was nowhere near the location on the night of the murders, and that the information connecting him there was a delusional, witch-like seance and a voice speaking to her in her head. Also important here is an overarching and more relatively recent case made by Kevin Cooper's defenders that race was involved. At the initial trial, the defense based on race is not as prevalent as it has been in recent years and maybe the last decade. It's been part and parcel with more of the social media-based advocacy. Even, even from Kristoff's piece, let's, let's take a look here. Three white men were at the house. First of all, that's factually wrong. Three white men were not there. There were three Mexican men. We see the sole survivor of the attack said that three white intruders had committed the murders. Josh Ryan never said that they were intruders. They never came in the house. And then women, then a woman told police that her boyfriend, a white convicted murderer, was probably involved. Again, race. Christoph is the progenitor of this theory that a poor drifter type character has been down on his luck. Uh, he's been 
he's been failed time and time again by the system. And here he is, again, central casting, as Nicholas Kristoff has put it, has put him in the center of this controversy. One last theory is that because Cooper didn't rob the $3.26 left on the counter of the Ryan home, then it obviously couldn't have been him. Because if he is a criminal, like the allegations go, as far as his defendants are concerned, then if he were to break in and, and steal the car, why wouldn't he steal money as well? He clearly must have, must have seen it. But $3.26 is, is A, a nominal amount of money that wouldn't motivate someone to steal. And moreover, the main thrust and motivation of this crime was to get to the Ryan vehicle. He needed to get away. He had just escaped prison, mind you. He was on the lam, quite literally. And one last theory is that uh, Kevin Cooper used several weapons. So therefore, it must have been several murderers involved. This is used as a kind of a, a hanger-on to the three white men theory that, well, there certainly must have been multiple murderers in this case because there were multiple weapons. But again, we know from the police investigation that the hatchet matched the description missing from the rental home. So there was one. There was also a knife and an ice pick that could have been found in the Ryan home. So the fact that additional weapons were found along the way in the series of events leading to this crime does not preclude one individual from committing the crime. This is by accounts of people like Nicholas Kristoff, like the LA Times, and now like celebrities like Kim Kardashian, as this poor black man was targeted by the police and was playing his role and is now the scapegoat for the racist criminal justice system. He doubts to Josh Ryan's certainty of the events of that night and his conviction in saying that it was Kevin Cooper who committed these murders. Here's a letter he wrote to then Governor Jerry Brown in April 20th, 2018. This was just before the most recent uh, DNA testing was ordered. He wrote um, in pursuit of a denial of this future testing, which we now know proved to be unsuccessful. But here's the letter. Dear Governor Brown, I was eight years old. I lived on a ranch in Chino Hills with my family. We had horses and liked to ride and show them. We were a perfect family. Our house was filled with love. It was 1983. I invited my best friend, Chris Hughes, to spend the night at my house. If I had not, Chris would still be alive today. I blame myself for what happened to him. In the middle of the night, I heard screams coming from my parents' bedroom. I ran toward the screams. I tripped over my sister's body. She was laying in the doorway. The only things I vividly remember after that is lying in a pool of blood, being unable to move, and looking all night at my mother, who was lying dead beside me. The next morning, I heard banging on the sliding glass door and saw Mr. Hughes and a look of shock and horror on his face that I will never forget. He left and I heard the front door bashing in and Mr. Hughes in the room cradling his son and sobbing and moaning, which will always echo in my ears. I remember being put in a helicopter. I later learned no one thought I would survive. I try to escape from Kevin Cooper by not reading the newspaper, but I cannot escape his presence. I tried to get him out of my mind and banish him from my memory, but I cannot escape. People tell me he is on Facebook, puts on a monthly show from his cell in California prison. I think it is ridiculous that California gives him everything he wants. It gave him the hole in the fence at Chino Prison 
which he climbed through to make his escape from prison, which enabled him to murder my family and friend. We know about the hole in the fence because he later bragged about how easy it was to escape. California started subsidizing Kevin Cooper long before Facebook and his monthly talk show when he made his way to my house to murder my family and friend and almost murder me. He walked in shoes supplied by the prison and smoked tobacco supplied by the prison. California has given Kevin Cooper everything he wants. He wants DNA testing, so California gives it to him. It proves that Cooper is a killer, so he says the blood was planted and wants more DNA testing. And for good measure, an investigation of the police for framing him because of his race. Kevin Cooper is a liar. He lies about everything. When he is caught in his lies, he lies more and more. He gets other people to believe in and broadcast his lies. Because of Kevin Cooper, I was accused of being a liar on national television. CNN's Death Row Stories put on a show about Kevin Cooper, which presented his many lies as facts, that the police framed him and coached me to lie under oath. Kevin Cooper is in my mind every day. He's a nightmare which plays over and over in my head. I can never get away from him. The latest is his request for clemency, something he richly does not deserve, but he does not stop there. He also wants DNA testing and an investigation of the police and prosecutors. This is ridiculous. It is obscene. Please deny Kevin Cooper's requests, but please explain the reason why. It is time someone told the truth about what he did. It is time someone spoke up for me and Chris's family. Signed, sincerely, Joshua D. Ryan. Now, we know that this request fell upon deaf ears, and California decided to order more testing. But what is clear from this account is that Josh Ryan was certain that one man, Kevin Cooper, committed these murders and killed his family and his childhood best friend. And cowards like Nicholas Kristoff has never been able to refute any of the assertions in this letter and deal with the concrete accounting of that event put forth by Joshua Ryan, the chronology of events put forth by the police department and the prosecution in this case. Kevin Cooper does not deserve to be free. He's living on borrowed time as it is, as California is suspending any death sentences at the moment. Joshua Ryan said in 2018, it is time someone told the truth about what Kevin Cooper did. And for someone to speak up for him and his family, this channel will be doing so throughout the pendency of this appeal and the remaining DNA testing. Please subscribe to this channel to hear more about this case in the future. Again, please go watch Atheism is Unstoppable's video series on this case. Kevin Cooper, despite the celebrities and the academics pleading on his behalf, does not deserve to get out of prison and deserves to be the next thing smoking on death row. And finally, have this case be put to rest.